What's going on, world? This is your boy, Josh Powell, man, and we are tapped and tuned in, man. Black Men Sundays, you feel me? Y'all already know, man. Part one right here, part two coming soon. It's a Black Men Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best foot forward and elevate. What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray, and we're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about finance. We're talking about business. And of course, we're talking about mental health. And before we introduce today's guest, my brother Eric from Huntsville, aka Hunts Vegas, Alabama. Who do we have for our Black Men Sunday spotlight? Hey, Corey, thank you for that so much, man. Of course, our job here on Black Men Sunday is always to educate and to motivate and to inspire everyone or anyone that's willing to hear. This Sunday is Black History Month, and I always try to find some hidden gems of um, someone who we don't know about. So my hidden gem for today is no other than this young lady. Her name is Mary Brown. Mary Brown was basically, she is the first person to devise a home surveillance system back in 1966. Now, she was born in, in January 7, 1922. She was born as the name of the Marie Van Britten Brown, and she was a black nurse and inventor. And like I said earlier, she devised a way to, 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 to build a home surveillance system back in 1966. Well, this is the thing. She and her husband, Albert Brown, patented a motorized camera system, which is similar to the modern home security systems that we use today. Now, Brown's invention featured a motorized door camera with four peepholes, a monitor display, a radio control lock, and an audio video system. Man, that's what's up. So that's my spotlight today, Ms. Mary Brown. Now, Corey, back to you. Okay, I see you with that spotlight. You know, we in Black History Month. But the way I look at it, man, we we celebrate Black History Month every week. So I appreciate those spotlights, Eric, man. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, let's go and introduce today's guest, man. I'm trying to figure out where do I want to start with this brother, man. Well, I'm going to start with the facts first. Two-time NBA champion with the L.A. Lakers. I'm just mad he beat my magic in one of those championships. That kind of breaks my heart a little bit to even say that. This brother is a EuroLeague champion. Born in Charleston, South Carolina. Raised in college. You know, Cali Park, George. You know, Atlanta accent. I'm trying. I'm from New York with a Florida, Virginia accent. So I'm trying to work it in. This brother's also the co-captain. Big three league. You know, we talking about Ice Cube. Killer threes. This brother here is the founder of the 21 Reasons to Give Foundation. We're going to find out what that is. He's also the co-creator of the Relationships Matter podcast. We're going to talk about that a little bit because I heard a couple episodes. I saw a couple of my homeboys on there. So we're going to have to talk about that for a little bit. This brother's also the author of What I Wish I Knew. So without further ado, if y'all don't know who I'm talking about, Josh Powell, welcome to Black Men Sundays, brother. How you doing? Hey, that, that is the most humbling intro. I'm, I'm truly honored, brother. I appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? So thank you. Happy Sunday. Peace and blessings to everybody, man. Sending my love. Nothing but positive vibes. So I look forward to this uh, to this conversation. Welcome to Black Men <laughs> Sundays. We're talking about generational wealth, mental health, finance, and business. 
I'm gonna warm you up. I'm gonna throw you a couple alus, but you know, your three was so green machine when I played 2K because I paid like my man Kalali don't know that, but I paid like thirty dollars to get to get you, and I was green. So I'm gonna I'm gonna warm the bus up. So let's talk about your foundation because as black men, right? We talk about you know when once we're in a position to give back, a lot of brothers just don't know what to do. So. 21 reasons to give foundation. Let's talk about the impetus of that. And, you know, like, where are you going with it? So basically, um, I had been, so first let me start here. So I've, I've played 20 years professionally, been super blessed to, to be able to do something that I love for that amount of time. Um, and where I'm going with that is when I first got my professional career going, I always had a spirit of giving back. So like the first maybe eight to nine years of, of being a pro, um, doing a lot of things just out of my pocket, you know, showing up, you know, going going to whatever neighborhoods, going to whatever communities, um, and just just serving, you know what I mean? And when I got with the Lakers, my advisor was like, man, we got to switch things up because this was back in 2019. So he was like, we got to switch things up, come more official, you know what I'm saying, and do it the right way. And I'm like, what's the right way? So learning about uh, 501c3, learning, you know, get you, a, get you a board, learning all of these different things, you know, putting myself in a different situation. But the, the thing that, mean, that is near and dear to my heart that I want to share is, you know, a lot of times you get a foundation, you got to have one focus. You know what I'm saying? Like they want your mission statement, everything be clean, all of that. So for me, I was like, my heart is not set up that way. So I had to go back and forth. Like there was a lot of, you know, back and forth and a lot of fighting and everything else. And I was able to come up with 21 reasons to give with 21 different principles, meaning 21 different ways that we serve the community, which is right up my alley. So being able to do camps, clinics, speaking engagements, panel discussions, bowling events, back to school, you know, taking care of families, doing this, doing that, like whatever, like there's, no limit to what we can do and how we can do it. And I've been able to do different initiatives globally as well. So it's been really cool. It's been really humbling and I'm so, so thankful, you know what I'm saying, that I've had the opportunity to be able to do what I've been able to do. So sorry to be so long-winded, but definitely wanted to give the correct backstory as to 21 Reasons to Give, the foundation, and how we got to where we are today. Hey, brother, you on Black Men Sundays, man. What do you mean? Ain't no long responses. We good over here. So I kind of want to stay on the 21 reasons to give foundation. So for brothers out there that say, you know, I didn't play in the NBA, but, you know, I make a good salary, have a good job. What advice would you give for brothers that are a little apprehensive to set up a foundation? Well, the first thing is I would want to know what are they apprehensive about? You know what I'm saying? Because it's something that you're in control of. Now, the apprehension comes in with who you decide to be a part of. it. So that was a part of my growing pains. You know what I'm saying? I've had to have a crew, get rid of a crew, have a crew, get rid of a crew, have a crew, get rid of a crew. And now on my fifth rotation around the sun, I finally figured it out. And I have a good, solid group of people that have the same passion, the same drive. You know, and, and it's dope because they have a lot of relationships as well. And, you know, they're willing to do the necessary things in order for us to be 
beyond and above board. So I, I think those are the things that we got to pay attention to in regards to foundation because it's tricky. It's a tricky game, and it's also a competitive game too. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people that are getting into the foundation uh, space, not understanding what all goes into it, you know, really taking advantage and learning about grants and things like that, having your grant writers. Like, it's just a lot that goes into it and the different scales as well, because some people might just want to do, may not want to do federal or, or anything like that. They might just want to have, you know, donors and things like that, because also, too, here's another little nugget. When you have grants from certain people or even government grants, you have to stick to what it is that they want you to do with their money. You know what I'm saying? So if that's something that you're not interested in, then you have to find other other um, avenues to go about serving and doing what you need to do. And that's a gem. And we don't normally give the gems this early in the show, but that kind of leads to my next question because I told you, know, you we finna I'm finna do listen, we finna go crazy. I told you. <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. But I'm still on, I guess, you know, going back to my question when we talk about brothers being apprehensive, one of the biggest reasons that I hear brothers apprehensive, you know, brothers will start an LLC and INC all day, but then when it's like going to set that foundation up, they're like, nah. I'm like, why? Because when I did my research. I got to have board members. I got to have an executive member. You know, I just wanted just me and my wife. Well, I just want to do a dolo, but I can't because you have to have a board to be a true foundation. So that, so that leads to my next question for you is how were you confident in picking the members to be a part of your foundation? Um, I mean, it's trial and error and, and I don't want my experience to deter somebody else because you might have family that's solid that could be on your board and y'all could handle business. You might have your day one partners or whoever that could be on your board and handle your business. So please don't, you know, have my experience or what I'm sharing deter you from having the people that you feel on your spirit or your, or your right people. Um, I had to go through a lot of ups and downs, you know what I'm saying? And on my board today, I have people that I have really good relationships with. I do have like my mother's on my board. You know what I'm saying? That's family. You know what I'm saying? And another thing that's that's cool too is like I have all women on my board. So it's like they hustlers, like they go getters. Jasmine Clark, who for example, she's a Democrat. She's also a uh, 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 scientist, and she does so many different things. But like a black female scientist, you know what I'm saying? Like she's dope. And like her relationships, how big she is in the community. One of my other uh, homegirls, Alexia, who she wears so many hats. You know what I mean? If she has that, I don't. I don't take no for an answer mentality. Like it's just you got to just go with people, man. And you know whatever's on your spirit, and and even if it's on your spirit and you hit or miss, don't be discouraged by it because that's life. You know what I mean? Like everybody on this call, we done dated somebody thought that that was our person. And then all of a sudden the next one was the one or however it works out. So it's like, you know, you just can't be discouraged, but also to make sure that you have your paperwork in order, make sure that you are a part of all of your business stuff and you know what's going on. Cause a lot of people can get caught up in that too, where they letting everybody else make the decisions. And then when they come back, you know what I'm saying? They have no idea what's going on. Or people that made some moves or they done spent some money or did something so make sure, man, that we got to do a better job as that as people like be involved in your business. 
You know, it might not be sexy. It might be tiring. You might not feel like it, but that's a part of adulting. That's how we pass along certain things that we want to do. You know what I mean? Like, and for me, my um oldest daughter, for example, like she has a giving spirit. So I remember we had a conversation years ago. So it was like, I'm making sure that my stuff's in order so that whenever she wants the keys, she can just take it and run with it. You know, so those are a lot of the things to kind of just think about and have on, on your mind as far as how you set it up, you know, what you plan on doing, you know, what, what is your mission? How do you plan on going about serving? You know what I'm saying? Like, and all of these things, you know, we got to figure those things out in, in order to move whatever the vision is forward. No, that's great information because, you know, a part of the apprehension, I'm still on that first question, by the way, you know, I got like 20, so we good to go. But part of, another, another part of the apprehension of setting up a foundation is you set up your board members, but then because you're not as like, I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying brothers that I've dealt with where they set the foundation up, they have their executive running things. They're just kind of dropping off the money you know, getting the spreadsheets, blah, blah, blah. But then at some point they get voted out. And that's where a lot of brothers get apprehensive with setting up a foundation too, because they're like, okay, well, I done started this foundation. I set it up, but because they weren't as hands-on, they got voted out. And that leads to other brothers saying, you know what? I'm going to just do the LLC. I don't want to do a foundation because the board members can vote you out. Like how you feel about that? I mean, that's like any company, right? Let's say you start up a company and you got a board. And it's a multi-million dollar company, you know, that that's why people plant certain people to make sure that <laughs> those things don't happen. You feel me? So that's a little nugget. Like you got to make sure you at least got out of five people. Let's say you got five people on your board. You got to have two that you know for sure, for sure are with you. You know what I'm saying? Just in case. Hence why my mama is on my board. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know, it's just one of those situations like you just got to make sure you protect yourself. But I think whether we talk a foundation, business, relationships or anything, we can always find the bad in it, but we shouldn't be discouraged by it. We got we got to be willing to just live your life, do what's, do what's in your best interest and let the creator take over. You know what I'm saying? So when you trust and believe you're in good hands, it's going to work out the way that it needs to. You're the author of What I Wish I Knew. Why did you write that book, man? There's a lot of different reasons, but basically for me, I felt like information is is powerful and it doesn't need to stay with me. So if I could help somebody not go through the things that I've been through just by me sharing, I'm willing to do that. And as a kid, you know, I know that I've experienced a lot of trauma. I experienced abuse, a lot of things that we should be aware of, you know, and things that are happening in our households and our communities that we teach people you know, how to keep secrets. We teach people how to shut your mouth and don't talk to people about whatever's going on because, you know, we private and this, that, and the third. But I think there's a, a piece of discernment that should be put in there because all all things that are kept uh, may not be things that, that need to be kept quiet. You know what I'm saying? Cert certain information can change the trajectory. Certain information, you know, can start a healing process. It could begin a different journey. So... I, I just wanted to be able to share and be very transparent and vulnerable about things that I've gone through. But the most important part is discussing the journey and, and talk about the different steps and the processes that take place in order to become your healthier self. So I'm just big on that. You know what I mean? Like I know a lot of people speak to one thing or maybe they speak to two, but I want us to be whole all together. 
mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, and physically. So I speak to a lot of that, you know what I mean? And in, in, in how we can be a healthier version of ourselves. And with us being a healthier version of ourselves, that means we will attract like-minded people or situations or circumstances. And then the things that don't serve us anymore will literally just start falling away. I know I'm going to have to get the book. What I wish I knew. Give me one tip out of that book. What you wish you knew. That it's okay. I feel especially us as men, the things that we go through, you know, the guilt that we carry. Maybe it could be shame. Maybe it could be embarrassment. Maybe maybe we could just feel disregarded. You know what I'm saying? That we, we just feel unappreciated. You know, whatever it is that, that we're going through, it's like, no matter what stage, from a young boy to a young man to an adult to a to a grown man, it's like it's okay. You know, I've I've, I've taken accountability and ownership. You know, I understand that I'm human, um, and I understand that the the journey like it's it's a huge process and it's a never ending journey. You know what I mean? But I have to be willing to fail time and time again in order to crack the code and figure it out. So when we talk about generational wealth finance and business, a lot of financial advisors say, get you some real estate. So in your career, who introduced you to the real estate game? In my situation, I had a lot of people that stole from me. So I don't want to bypass that. You know, I went through a lot of ups and downs, whether it's been family, whether it's been my financial advisor, I've, I've gone through the ups and downs in, in that department. So at the beginning of the conversation, I talked heavily about how we should be educating ourselves and doing our, you know, doing a lot of research. That doesn't mean we'll get it right. That doesn't mean even if we're researching that we find the, the information that works for us, but it's the mentality of at least you're initiating and putting in the effort, you know what I'm saying? To try to understand or to try to be knowledgeable of something. I've had my ups and downs with that. And the things, one of the most powerful ways that I've been able to be aware is by being in rooms. And I've been in a lot of rooms and not been able to, not that I can't talk. I just choose not to talk because I'm peeping game. I'm picking up on energy. I'm I'm learning about different people because it's also tricky too, man. You, when you have money and it could be 10,000, it could be a hundred thousand, it could be a hundred million. There's always going to be sharks in the water. There's going to be people who are going to try to figure out a way to take advantage of you, including your own people. Um, and you just got to be aware because everybody's going to have a great idea. And if that's not on your spirit, the most powerful thing you can learn to do is say no. So we talk about generational wealth and then we focus, we might not you per se, but we tend to focus on land, houses, businesses, and all these things. A big start to generational wealth is saying no. I'll leave it at that. Mm, well, I'm loving that. Wow. That's that's great information, man. I could kind of take that a couple different ways, but I want to stay on the real estate for a second. We're going to get mm. into all that. But let's talk about real estate. You know, when we're talking about real estate, at what point did you realize you need to invest in real estate? For me and my journey now at 41, I just turned 41 last week, so... Uh, um, again, certain things, you know what I'm saying? It's not a, a rush to do there. There's different systems that's in place, but some, sometimes man, it might take people some time in order to feel comfortable before doing, cause it's a big deal. You know what I mean? Before you start investing and doing certain things like that, even, even just buying your first property, 
even if it's for you and your family. You know what I'm saying? You you are now officially a part of the real estate game. <laughs> so, you know, it's just different different ways to think about it and understanding your purchase even then and how you're going to maximize on that purchase in the event that your kids graduate, somebody, there's a job relocation or whatever. Now, you know, for sure that you're in a great market. The schools are good. You know, it's a, it's an easy sale for you to get out of versus you don't bought a house somewhere. It might be a beautiful home, but it's not attractive to, you know, a, a family with three kids, you know what I'm saying? Or, or whatever the situation may be. And there have been some people that have sat, on houses for years and you still got to take care of that, you know, even though you've moved into another community or whatever your situation is. So I just think, you know, just being mindful of, of, of those things and making smart purchases, you know, that go, that go for you. Yeah. And that, yeah, definitely. And that leads to my next question. When we're talking about real estate, you know, we've had brothers on here that, you know, own multiple properties, you own multiple properties. So how did you get the, and obviously, you know, you have money, you played in the NBA, so, you know, and you played overseas, but how did you get the comfortability with real estate to want to invest in multiple properties? Uh, I mean, for one, in doing that, you definitely have to be smart with your money and make sure that you're saving, you know what I'm saying? So even if you, <clears throat> for example, if you're managing two properties, maybe, maybe you decided to buy a property in Detroit or buy a property in Miami or somewhere where you know you're going to get something out of it. Who knows? But just making sure that you have enough capital, man, just in case anything was to happen. The other thing that's good, too, is, and here's a little nugget as well, like, it doesn't always have to be you. It could be a group of y'all. That way it could ease that that financial burden versus it being like, I have to be the one that goes into this next situation. You know what I'm saying? Like you can get 10 of your homeboys that you know is solid. And if everybody came to the table with five grand, y'all got something serious that y'all could, you know, drop and get, get into. And then y'all just figure out how you split it or whatever the case may be. Like there's so many different ways that you can go about it. So you don't feel as heavy in the event that something goes array or whatever. So I would just tell people, man, like do the research for both get a feeling for both, you know what I mean? And, and, and then when you do plan on going into it, make sure you ask whatever the necessary questions are in regards to that property. So if we talking about houses or we talking about townhomes or we talking about condos, like you got your target, you got your target audience, you know what I mean? And you got to make sure that you understand if you want to get out of this or how you're flipping it. You know, make making sure that, that you know what you're getting yourself into. Great information. Let's talk a little hoops real quick, man. Cause you know, I hit my I hit my pops up and this man, when he come, this man watch hoops all day. He'll watch like Duquesne playing like Alabama State or Alabama AM. You be like, I don't need nobody on them teams. I don't care. Let's just watch the game and then he'll find a bad player. So I was telling him about you. He was like, Man, that brother got a nice sweet game. So two time NBA Laker champion. Euro League champion. So you well traveled. Before we talk the Lakers, I just want to talk about the importance because you well traveled. Like for brothers like me, you know, I'm from New York. I've never been to Times Square. I've been, I'm lived in Virginia. I lived in Newport News, Bad News, Virginia, same spot as Iverson. The only time I went to Virginia Beach was me and my man Kalali 
would go out to the club. But how important is it to, as a black man to get out of your community, to get out of the United States and see the world? How else are we going to grow? That's the only thing. That's what really came on my spirit to say. You know what I mean? Because have you ever had a conversation with somebody that's never left your community? It is the roughest. <laughs> and it's no shade to them. You know what I mean? Like, but it is it's y'all are just in two different places. And and for me, like I grew up on the south side of Atlanta. And it's funny, like I was joking with somebody the other day because South Side people don't leave the South Side of Atlanta. Even going to Atlanta or going to Lenox Mall is like a big deal. So like growing up, I stayed on my side of town unless we drove through to go to the country to visit my grandparents. I had no idea about Atlanta. I wasn't going out in Atlanta. We was on Terra Boulevard. I wasn't going uh, to Lenox. You know what I'm saying? I was on Highway 85. That was that was my turf right there. So when I made the decision to go to a college that was in another state, you know, and then uh, once I turned pro, you know, just being in the NBA, being overseas, you know, being overseas, being in the NBA and going into these different countries and having to move a lot different. And, you know, just the things that you got to make adjustments to, you know what I'm saying? So even a small thing like being in Dallas or being in LA and, and knowing your surroundings and your environment, understanding the codes in every other city, like it's just, it's a lot that come with it. So you have to be, you definitely got to be on your square in regards to um, your knowledge and your understanding. But the only way you can really get that is by being out, by asking questions, by meeting people, by networking, you know, which there's so much power in that. Relationships is the most powerful thing out there. You know what I'm saying? Because not just with love or or the people that you care about, but that's how people get jobs. That's that's how you started just oh, this beautiful community of people that you have. These are these are this this is like another family. You know what I'm saying? So it's like y'all are coming and gathering and it's powerful. You know, if y'all decided to buy a property, if y'all decided to make or, 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 you know, do something else somewhere else, it's like, you can do that. Cause you can pick up the phone and call 10 brothers and say, look, this is what we own. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, y'all trying to ride. That's the beautiful part about it. So I think it's important for everybody to travel and get an understanding because in other parts of the world, you'll realize how much there are people that are like you versus there are people that aren't like you. And it's not even a color thing. You know what I'm saying? But in regards to color, when you start going into these different cities, different countries, you know, it's it's a different vibe. I've been to countries that, that have never seen black people before. So when you out and about and they just staring at you like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't understand, you might take offense to that. So yeah. that's that's been a part of my job. That's been a part of, you know, what I have to do in regards to shaking hands, kissing babies and all those things. And it's really been cool, man. Some some of the people who've shown major, major love don't even look like me. I've been to Australia. Them folks, you know, the, the, the people that might be Lebanese that are Australian, bringing me to the crib. They got me on the yachts. They treat me like family. They still call me to this day. You know what I'm saying? It's just been, it's just been love. Like, and I, I think that that's the other part of making it beautiful, man, is, is like building relationships just across the board. You know what I'm saying? Like I love my people, but I also love love. And I love the fact that 
you can go somewhere you can gain an experience you know what i mean you can you can build a relationship you can network with somebody you can you can do a project together who knows it's just been being able to do so many different things so it's really been a beautiful two-time nba champion with the lakers you play with kobe what gems did you learn from kobe bryant man i'll just i'll just stick to what i learned by watching him and it's just greatness and the attention to detail, whether it was on or off the court. The time when I was with the Lakers, I had a chance to be, I had a chance to, because he would tell, he would bring me to his events. He would bring me even to business meetings. I, I remember there was business meetings that, you know, we walking through kitchens, we heading up certain ways and sneaking in the back room doors. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's me, him, Jay-Z, Steve Stout. Everybody else gone. It's just us upstairs and we, you know, and I'm just being a fly on the wall. You know what I'm saying? It's It's been all kind of situations like that, you know, watching him move and then seeing how he was with Vanessa, seeing how he was with his kids. Because I know at that time in my first marriage, you know, I was having those conversations, trying to figure it out, you know, all, all those different things. So it was it was beautiful to watch him more so than to hear him because he backs it up in both ways. But a lot of people, you know what I'm saying, they can talk and say something, man. I, I think it's so powerful when you watch a person's actions. Well, I met Kobe in 09, but, you know, it was you know he was in Orlando, but y'all was kicking our butt. But um, one thing I've never forgotten about him is that work ethic, man. I would, I would get to the gym three hours. This the finals. Three hours before the game, he already out there shooting. I'm like, man, he out there shooting by himself. You would see him, pal, a couple other guys out there. But when it comes to work ethic, not specifically basketball, because one thing I learned from my pops, who was an AAU coach, coached his brother, you know, scored a lot of points, West Virginia State, Williamsburg, Virginia, all that. But one thing about them, they always would have a correlation with basketball and life. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is when we're talking about Kobe, because you said you were in meetings, but what did you gain? What knowledge did you gain from him from a basketball world that helped you in your personal life? I think patience and repetition, like in regards to my marriage and my kids, just understanding what it takes to really be great at something. And one thing about him that he always talked about was how he chased greatness, you know, even though he may not be able to ever catch it. But I think that us as men, you know, us wanting to be the best that we can be as human beings, us wanting to be really good fathers, really good husbands, you know, good sons or good teammates or whatever. Like, I feel like in our heart of hearts, man, a majority of us want to, really make people proud in each one of those areas. But we understand that that comes with us falling short too. So from an on-court to personal, I feel like those two would be the things that that's, that stick out. Okay, yeah, I just had to get that in, man, because I that was something that when, you know, when I was emailing you, that was the first thing that I thought about because, you know, my pops would always give me different analogies for life but it was basketball analogy. So I figured I just wanted to get a couple from you real quick. Let's talk real quick about um your podcast, man. 
Relationships Matter podcast. You're the co-creator. How did that come about? I've always had a passion for the relationship space. And I know, you know, I know people <clears throat> talk about um that's all anybody's talking about online. It's, you know, the market is oversaturated and all this. And my comment to every one of those people, if you're tired of it, then, how, then let's fix it. It's a reason why people are talking about relationships as much as they are is because there, there's such a huge gap and there's a lot of pain and brokenness in that space. Whether, what you know, that's a human thing, but especially like in our community, it seems like it's a men versus women type of world. And... I wanted to be the first to jump in that space to do something different because you don't see athletes that jump in that space. A lot of times, typically, we are doing sports, you know, the old sports stories and all. Like, we're sticking to that thing that we've done our whole life, anything that is in regards to that. And I'm not mad at anybody doing that. Salute to them. There's a lot of amazing shows out there from – you know, KG certified and, you know, Club Shay Shay and all the smoke. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on, but I felt that it's important to get the male and female perspective on relationships and doing it from a place of not being in a relationship with the other host. Because typically you're getting information on what works for that couple, you know what I'm saying, or their dialogue. In my situation, like I'm married and my co-host is single. So we have two different, two totally different uh, perspectives. And it's important too that people hear and see how a man and a woman should operate even when not in that space, when it's just me and her versus when we have guests. Just being able to, when we do have guests on, to really create a space, man, where people want to be vulnerable and open about the things that they've experienced because it's going to help somebody. We don't do anything that's messy, anything that's um, negative, or anything that, that, that makes us look crazy. I don't want to be a part of nothing like that. So everything is about growth. And we've had different episodes, different shows that have gone viral for the wrong reasons, but a clip versus people actually watching the whole thing you get to see everything and how it unfolds. You know what I mean? So even in those moments where somebody's expressing their experience, like it's still a a, a situation where you're not going to, because I, I, I make ground rules when we come on. It's like, you know, this, this platform is about growth. We're not going to be dogging or disrespecting, but please feel free to share. You know, that's, that's where it came from. When we talk about relationships, you know, our show is about generational wealth. We've talked about generational poverty on our show. We've talked about generational trauma on our show. We had a mental health expert, but I felt like with you, I kind of want to take it a step further. And I want to talk about relationship trauma. Marriage is an investment. A relationship in that woman, that's an investment. But I noticed like I said, when we talk about relationships, we don't talk about the relationship traumas as black men. We just kind of, you know, you just kind of keep it going. You just get rid of her, get another one, get rid you know. So what can we do as black men, though, to really get a grip on relationships and understand that a relationship is an investment as well? You just touched on something else that was powerful because the other reason why we don't have generational wealth the way that we should is because we're choosing the wrong people as well. So not only are we choosing the wrong people, but we're bringing children into this world with the wrong people. And most of the men 
aren't the right people either. So I'm not like pointing the finger at the women. A lot of men have fumbled the bag on good women. I think it's important that we take our time to really know ourselves and to really live our truth, which can help us get the right people to start thinking about really building with and, and having families with. Too many times, you know, because we're unhealed and unhealthy, we're attracting the same people and then we're breeding unhealed and unhealthy children. But we don't look at it like that because it's love or because she bad or because he's he's fine or whatever the situation may be. And we're not thinking about the people that's 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 hurting. We're not people that we're not thinking about the people who can become hurt based on the fact that I'm not doing my job and raising my children correctly. So now I have a son or a daughter who's going to go out here and is going to cause a lot of pain to other people. It's a lot that goes into that bag. So that was one of the other bigger issue, uh, bigger not issues, but bigger reasons why I have such a passion in regards to relationships. Like I said, we talk about generational wealth. We talk about generational poverty. We talk about generational trauma, but we don't talk about relationship trauma. Because I see brothers all the time. Man, she messed me up, man. I I ain't messing with a chick like, you know, if she a red bone, I ain't messing with her. No, I ain't messing with no more red bones. Cause they all got them. They all got them impulses, man. You know, but when we talk about relationship traumas as a black man, because it's black men Sundays, man. What can we do as a black man to where if we go through a relationship that wasn't so fruitful, how do we not take that? take the negativity or take the trauma with us to the next relationship? Like how do you know, how do we do that? One thing that we have to do is do the constant work to grow and heal. Another, another part that I feel is problematic is people will say, well, I'm in a better place. I'm getting therapy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm good. And that's, that's a huge problem. And it's also scary. You know what I'm saying? Because this journey has never ended. I'm not the same as I was now at 41 that I was at 35. Even even my what I like and don't like has changed. So to think that you have it all figured out is a huge part of the problem. And that's why we got to continue to do the work. And as we continue to do the work and continue to discover more and more about ourselves, then a lot of things will change. Even our communication styles change. There are people that's our age right now that don't feel safe in the relationship that they're currently in. They can't be themselves. They're not fully honest with their partner. And a lot of the other triggers and things that they experienced in, they, in their childhood that they didn't unpack, or that, they, <laughs> that they didn't do the work to properly heal from, is still following them into their adulthood because they've chosen a partner, right? They, they, they pick friends. This is not just your relationship. Let, let's say, for example, and that's why I'm big, why, why I know you're talking about relationships, but I'm also big on having solid people like your friends and stuff. Because when you're falling for somebody, you might be blind to a lot of the things that could be going on. But when you have solid people in your corner that you know that truly care about you, those people can be very helpful to get you to see what you're doing or not doing or what she's doing or not doing. So... In a sense, it kind of takes a village, too. I know we're big on you got to keep your relationship private, but it's also important to remember the correct people that you can talk to. Because having a therapist is one thing, but having people that know you, that are around, that can see a lot of the other things, because a therapist can't see all of that. So it's good to have people that aren't biased 
that can tell you what you need to hear versus what you want to hear. So anytime there's a heartbreak or anytime, even even if your relationship is progressing, still continue to work on yourself. It's a black man Sunday.